If you would open your Bibles to, oh, I should say scriptures, open your scriptures to Mark chapter 10, where we're going to be taking our text this morning. We have a, a number of visitors with us this morning, and I feel obligated to make sure that you know that I'm not the regular guy here. I don't want anybody saying, honey, I'm, I'm just not sure about the preaching here. I'm not sure I want to come back. But uh, I am very thankful to be able to fill in. Um, Brent and Leah got in about 11.30 from Czechoslovakia last night. Started out at what time from, in Prague? 4? 4, 4 a.m.? So... Uh, but I was happy when Brother Chrysler approached me about um, taking the reins today. So I hope that you will follow along in your Bible as we talk about Mark chapter 10. Uh, I remember an old preacher, I really don't remember his name, um, but he said in a gospel meeting where I was once, the best part of my preaching is when I'm reading scripture. And I definitely agree that that's the case. I would not want to have to listen to one of my lessons <laughs> without having the Bible open uh, in front of me. We typically think of a person as having five senses, right? There's seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, touching. And I know we have a lot of therapists in our numbers, so I probably need to mention proprioception as well. So that's kind of a sixth sense. And I think it's a fairly well-known phenomenon that when a person loses one of their senses, that the other senses will make up for it. And really, I think that this is most easily observed in uh, when, when a person loses their sight, how their hearing becomes more acute, um, how even you know, their sense of, of smell, maybe, or their sense of touch. In fact, for those of us who are sighted people, have you ever tried to read Braille? Have you ever tried to put your fingers on, on Braille? Especially driving through the, you know, the, the drive-through, the, the uh, ATM machine where they have the Braille on the numbers right there. I've never under, quite understood what that is all about. But anyway, uh, you put your numbers, you put your finger on those, on those keys that have the Braille on them. I can't tell anything about that. But when a person loses their sight, their senses become more acute, even their sense of touch, so that they can read Braille. Here's another interesting thought. Sometimes we use the word see figuratively. I don't know if you remember the old um, country artist, Ronnie Millsap. Uh, you might remember that he was blind, but I remember there were several of his songs where he refers in his music to seeing. Even though he was blind, we understand what he's talking about. He, you can see in ways, you can see things without your eyes. And so it's sort of within that context that I want to talk about this morning what the blind man saw. We're going to see that even though this man was blind, he saw things that people with perfectly good eyesight cannot see. And from this story, I think we can take away some very important lessons. <clears throat> now, this account is given in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. What is interesting about Mark is the fact that he focuses, there's actually two men that are healed, okay? We find that out, I think that's in the book of Matthew, that we, it's actually revealed that there were two men. Um, but Mark focuses attention on one of them, and, and his, his attention is 
focused such that he even gives the man's name. We learn the man's name. And I'm going to talk about the significance of why I think Mark might have been doing things the way that he did when we get to the end of the lesson. But let's begin with the reading at verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. Now they came to Jericho. Stop right there. This is not just any trip that Jesus made to Jericho. We need to understand that, this, that Jesus is, is on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. He will soon enter the last week of his life. And I think that will become significant when we get to the end of the lesson as well. Again, verse 46 says, Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples a, and a great multitude... All right, so we'll stop right there. The multitudes are probably headed toward Jerusalem for the same thing that Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem. No, not his crucifixion, but the Passover. Okay, so that's probably why we have this great multitude here. This is the same Passover that before which Jesus would observe with his disciples in the upper room. This is the same Passover feast during which Jesus would be crucified. All right, again, verse 46. Now, when they came to Jericho, as he went out to Jericho, and with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. So our main character here, his name is, is Bartimaeus. And as Mark describes, the name Bartimaeus means literally son of Timaeus. Uh, and, and what is really significant, though, here is that Mark tells us he's blind, all right? So that is, a, that is a matter of fact about Bartimaeus that we need to keep in front of us throughout the rest of the time that we're going to be looking at this text. Blindness is a real condition. They are, there are people who are born blind. There are people who become blind as a result of something that might happen to them in their lives. And I think that we would all agree, not from experience, but perhaps from em empathy, that blindness is a catastrophic condition. D to not be able to see this room filled with people right now. Uh, to not be able to see your, your way as you walk. You know, to not be so blessed as to go on a mountaintop and to be able to look down into a beautiful valley or to see a sunrise or a sunset, to be able to feel the warmth on your face but not to be able to actually see the sun. You can see then that blindness causes a person to miss out on a lot of things in life. They, their lives become very challenging and they have to accommodate their lives to their inability to see. This was Bartimaeus' life. But what I want to do is I want to take just a few moments to discuss how the Word of God, God seizes upon the reality of Bartimaeus' situation, which is blindness, in order to illustrate a very important spiritual malady that exists. There is a real thing. It's not, you won't find it in, a, in the DSM manual. You won't find it among all of the medical conditions that doctors learn about in, in medical school. But it is a very real spiritual condition, blindness. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 and 18, regarding the Gentiles, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles because of the blindness in their heart. They were fo so focused on material things they can't see the spiritual. 
uh, they were spiritually blind, is what Paul is saying here. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, you know, regarding some of the Jews of his day, let them alone, they are blind leaders of the blind. They weren't literally blind, but they were spiritually blind. They were so wrapped up in their self-righteousness that they, that they couldn't see all of the things that they lacked in regard to the gospel that, of the kingdom that Jesus was preaching. And then finally, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. We have, a, we have an actual diagnosis, myopia, um, where a person is, is short-sighted. By the way, it's been several years ago now that, that uh, Richard gave me a diagnosis about my own eyesight. It, 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 presbyopia. And you might recognize the connection between presbyter, elder, and, pre, and presbyopia. Your eyes are getting old. And he said that to me. <laughs> well, again, spiritual uh, blindedness is a thing. And that's really what we're going to be talking about as we continue through the text this morning. The thought question that I want to keep before us as we go through this is, could there be some spiritual blindness, some spiritual malady that we are afflicted with? Could it be that, that, that it's sort of like colorblindness? And I don't know if any of you are colorblind. I am becoming more colorblind as I continue through my years. There are certain colors that I can't see any longer. Uh, have you ever taken the colorblindness text where they ask you to look at a picture of a bunch of dots? And maybe you can see something, but maybe you don't. And so maybe your eyes are, are unable to see the color blue or the color green. And so it just looks like a bunch of, you can't see the image that most everybody with normal eyesight can see. This is exactly how spiritual blindness works. The, the problem is there. It's real. But we can't see it in ourselves. Throughout the rest of the study, we're going to see that there are some important spiritual truths that Bartimaeus, the, the, the blind man, saw. And these are sometimes spiritual truths that we cannot see in ourselves. The rest of verse 46 says, Now when they came to Jericho, and as they went to Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Bartimaeus, sat by the road begging. All right. There was no Lions Club in the first century. There was no Americas with Disability Act. There were no schools for the blind. Instead, about the only way that a person with this disability could, could live if they didn't have a family that would take care of their every, every need, then they had to sit down by the side of the road and beg. So the first observation that I want to make about what Bartimaeus saw is he saw that he had a problem. Now that may be not a very insightful observation, okay? But the reality is, is that some people are blind to their problems and they don't know it. We can be blind to our problems and not realize it. What does Jesus say in his letter to the church at Laodicea? He says, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. One of the things that we need to meditate upon and, and really um, contemplate about is whether we truly and accurately see our spiritual conditions whether there are any spiritual defects 
David says in Psalm 139, and I just think that this is so, we all need to say this in our prayers to God. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here David is acknowledging that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And we need to do self-examination, but we also need to turn examination of ourselves over to God so that he can providentially or through his word, he can reveal to us what those spiritual defects are. We'll move on in the story to verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, so again, to set the, set the tone, there, this crowd of people is leaving Jericho. Uh, there's, a, there's a multitude that's there. Um, and someone says, it's Jesus. And Bartimaeus hears this. So he heard surely about what Jesus had done. Surely he was aware of the mighty miracles that Jesus had performed. Mark chapter 10, verse 47 goes on to say, He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. He cries out. Now that indicates that Bartimaeus was probably a, some distance from where Jesus was as Jesus is walking by. But what's even more notable about what Bartimaeus has to say here is, he calls Jesus the son of God. No, I'm sorry, son of David. Now, we're used to hearing that, right? We've heard that for years, and that phrase may not really reach out and grab us the way that it would have reached out and grabbed a Jew in the first century. Because the son of David is what the Jews called the Messiah that they expected to come. And so, in effect, what Bartimaeus is saying is that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is, is the call, called one of God, the one that everyone is waiting for. Now, I'm not going to make a major point about this, but I think that it's important to note that one of the things that blind Bartimaeus saw was something that many of his Jewish brethren did not see, and that was that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember what John says in John chapter 1 and verse 11? He came into his own, and his own did not receive him. Most people could not see what Bartimaeus saw. But the point that I do want to make here a little bit more as we move on is that Bartimaeus saw that Jesus was the solution to his problem. Remember our first point, that Bartimaeus had a need? Well, the second point is built upon that. He realized in order to have that need met, he was going to have to go to Jesus. And again, this is a, a truth that sometimes we miss out on. That Jesus is our only hope. That if we have problems, if we have needs, Jesus is the answer. Whatever our problems might be. Consider just a couple of examples here in the Beatitudes. Okay, so we're familiar with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes provide a, a, a nice introduction into the teachings of Jesus and what the teachings of Jesus are all about. Are we struggling with feeling blessed? Maybe we're going to need to take on some spiritual poverty. Are we struggling with, with the world not blessing us the way that we think that it ought? 
well, maybe we need to mourn the world. You kind of see where I'm going here. We've got to take these truths that Jesus' words hold for us. We need to, as we talked about earlier, we need to apply them. Then we receive the blessing. When we do them, then we experience the blessing. And the lesson that we don't need to be blind to here is that, is that we, have, we need Jesus. We have great and urgent needs that Jesus can help us with. Yes, salvation, there is that. And we could spend a lot of sermons talking about that, and we need to. But also, peace, contentment, joy, better relationships. All of these things Jesus can help with, and Jesus' gospel will guide us in the way that we need to go. People may find temporary satisfaction in going to the self-help section at Barnes & Noble or wherever. But lasting joy, lasting contentment is only found in Jesus. Verse 48. Then many warned him to be quiet. So in the multitude, as soon as he's crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. um, There are people that are saying, shh, be quiet, be quiet. And I doubt that it's Jesus' disciples because, again, the way that I'm sort of keep conceiving this picture in my mind, Jesus is afar off. His disciples are probably with them. And so these people that are telling Bartimaeus to be quiet, they're probably people in the multitude. And we might wonder why they would be telling him to be quiet. Because Bartimaeus is saying something that was highly controversial at this time. Again, this is, the la- this is approaching the last week of Jesus' life. And there are a lot of people who will take great offense at someone calling Jesus the son of David. So what does he do? Again, verse 48, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And again, in this, we see something that we can be blind to. Bartimaeus saw that he was going to have to be persistent. And, And I realize that we live in a, in in a society that invented the microwave oven. Indoor plumbing. Boy, I'm glad we don't have to go outside in the middle of the night. We have all of these conveniences, right? And and everything we can just take care of, and then we go off and we can do whatever we want to do. We're losing our sense for the need for persistence. You know that statement that is recorded in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you? And you're probably thinking, oh yeah, that's over in, in, in the book of Matthew, this, the account of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus actually used this illustration in another place in Luke chapter 11, in a different context probably. And here's, here's a story that Jesus tells, a parable, if you will, that Jesus tells before making that same point. He says, this is Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 9. He said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him from within saying, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. We need to realize that sometimes we're going to have to be persistent. Sometimes we're going to have to be relentless. If it's going to require persistence in order to maintain our faith, even in the darkest days of our lives, then remember what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Blind Bartimaeus was not easily dissuaded from seeking Jesus. He sought Jesus even though the crowd tried to prevent him from doing that. Verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. So Jesus stops. And what's amazing to me about this is that why didn't Jesus come to him? Why didn't Jesus leave the multitude where where he was and come over to where Bartimaeus was? Because remember, Bartimaeus is blind, right? He can't see his way to get to Jesus. Why doesn't Jesus go over there to to where Bartimaeus was? Well, I'm not sure. But maybe a couple of things. Maybe it was because Jesus wanted the crowds to see Bartimaeus go to Jesus. Maybe they needed to witness that. Maybe they needed to see Bartimaeus' desire to be healed. Maybe the crowds needed to see this man's persistence in getting what he wanted from Jesus. And, And in this act, I think the multitude would have seen his persistence by him having to go where he was over to where Jesus was. But it seems to me that this is some deliberate action. I don't think that Jesus is just being negligent or that he's overseeing what the situation is. He is orchestrating a demonstration for the audience to witness this. Well, at some point then, who knows, it may have been the same ones who were otherwise warning Bartimaeus to be quiet, but now they they say to Bartimaeus, be of good cheer, he is calling you. Maybe Jesus was so far away that he didn't, that Bartimaeus could not hear uh, Jesus calling him. I don't know, but, but they, the people tell him, Jesus is calling you. Go to see Jesus. Verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he rose up and came to Jesus. His garment there is, a, is an outer cloak. And this is probably springtime in Judea. Now, I know that we sort of think about the Middle East and we think about Israel um, and, and it being hot over there all the time. But in fact, the springs in Judea could be very cold. And so he's casting off his garment and he would not have another one. This would be a very, you know, very <clears throat> expensive, a very important piece of, of his protection from the elements. But what I, see, what I think we see in this, in this gesture is his, his anxiousness and his desire to be healed. He gets up quickly. He probably needs to, to have someone lead him to Jesus. But he is very quickly obeying Jesus' command. Verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Do we really think that Jesus didn't know what he wanted him to do for him? No. But you know, sometimes whether it's God in some of the Old Testament accounts that we have or, or whether it's Jesus in the Gospels, sometimes we, he, they want us to hear it, to say it. Sometimes 
They want us to say it for the benefit of others. And so Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus says to him in verse 52, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now we need to settle on this for a little bit and unpack it. Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And you're probably familiar with how, you know, when, when faith healers are not as successful as they sort of expect to be or the, peop- the crowd expects them to be, then, you know, their go-to saying is, well, they just didn't have enough faith, all right? So are we to conclude from this passage that, that you know, maybe if, if, the, uh, if the blind man, you know, had not had enough faith that, that Jesus would not have been able to heal him? I don't think that's what's going on here at all. Instead, think about it this way. What would have happened if Bartimaeus had no faith? Jesus would have walked out of Jericho. The multitudes would have followed him. Someone would have said, there's Jesus. And he would have just sat there. And he would have just let the multitude go by. And he would have let Jesus go with them. And so that's how I think his faith made him well that day. His faith prompted him to cry out. His faith made him want to do something. And so that's our fourth and final point. His faith was going to have to prompt him to do something. And Bartimaeus saw that. And this is what a lot of people, this is sometimes what we don't see this. But think about it this way. Isn't that what the entirety of the rest of the scriptures teach us? That that. Faith is something that must be exercised. It must be prompted to, to, to call us to do, do, that, do something. Think about Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Noah prepared. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Moses chose. Now Bartimaeus takes, takes his place by these great men of faith by acting upon his faith and seeking out Jesus that, uh, that he might be healed. Bar- Bartimaeus saw a truth that many people are blind to, and that is that saving faith prompts us to do something. The demons believe, right, James chapter 2, but they don't do anything about it. We, uh, we, we practice our faith. We put our faith into action. We do something. Here's the point. Blind Bartimaeus saw that that was the kind of faith that makes a person whole. And maybe he didn't do that, uh, that very thing on, on this particular day, but he exercised that kind of faith when he cried out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Well, let's bring this to a conclusion. When Jesus says, your faith has made you well, that word well, It's actually a word that's quite often translated saved in the scriptures. In fact, Mark chapter 16, he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. Same word. Your faith has made you well. Um, and, And so it seems that he has been saved from his blindness. But I think there's something more going on here. It goes on to say immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. 
Bartimaeus continued to follow Jesus on the road. Now let's extend the story out a little bit. He's going to Jerusalem. After he enters Jerusalem, he will be crucified seven days later. There's not that much time that goes by between what happens on this day and Jesus' crucifixion. So we can see Bartimaeus continuing to be with the small number of disciples that remained faithful to Jesus leading up to and through his crucifixion. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to see Bartimaeus among the 120 that were there in Acts chapter 1. Or, and, I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination to think that he was one of the 3,000 that was there on the day of Pentecost. See, why I think Mark takes the pain to separate Bartimaeus from the other man that was also healed on this day. And he tells us, he gives us the name of Bartimaeus, which doesn't mean a whole lot to us. It may have meant something to the early Christians. So that when they read the Gospel of Mark and they saw the story of Bartimaeus, what a thrill it would have been for those who knew Bartimaeus to know how the story began for him. Now, I don't know. That's speculation, right? But it's not too much of a stretch to think about it this way. This is the point that I want to leave with you as we close this morning. How is your story going to begin? Or how is your story going to proceed? Maybe it's not going to be written about in the Holy Scriptures, but it will be written about in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so we've come to the end of our study this morning where we have seen things that only a blind man at this particular time could see. And we've had revealed to us important truths. And and the question that all of us need to ask ourselves is that are we going to take these things with us? And are we going to allow them to illuminate our our minds in regard to our self-examination? And is there any spiritual blindness in us? But as we extend the Lord's invitation, if you're here and have never rendered obedience to the gospel of Christ, your story can begin here today, even as Bartimaeus' story began in what we've talked about this morning. The invitation is extended. If you're here and subject to it, then come forward as together we stand and sing.